Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991. From the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watch Solo Con Tu Pareja. joining us on 1991 Movie Rewind. Solo con tu pareja tells the story of Tomas Tomas, a Lothario that's sleeping with his boss as well as nearly every woman he comes across. After a failed attempt to juggle two sexual conquests in the same night, one of the women decides to play a prank on him. She takes advantage of her position as a nurse to send him false positives on his STD test results. Screenplay by Alfonso Cuaron and Carlos Cuaron, directed by Alfonso Cuaron, and premiering at the Toronto Film Festival on September 9th, 1991. Um, before we get started, I do want to say that we should probably give a content trigger warning uh, for suicide for this episode. Suicide and then making light of AIDS during a time where AIDS was very common and not treated correctly or well during that time yeah it's a movie of the times in there yeah for sure there's a lot of things that don't hold up culturally in this i guess yeah so okay let me let me start off where we usually start and ask if you've seen this movie before no i have not me either no um so the, the title is Solo Con Tu Preja, which translates into Only With Your Partner. Um, it's also known uh, or has been known in other places as Love in the Time of Hysteria. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to see directors who have made it into, you know, like a, to some level of prestige, to some level of like, you know, worldwide recognition amongst you know cinema fans and so on and so forth mm-hmm. um where they started out and and how and that's the glimpse that we're getting into with with this movie because alfonso Cuarón uh, obviously has four oscars um two for roma for directing and cinematography and two for gravity for directing and editing um as well as six other nominations for other movies um So he's obviously very highly regarded, and this movie is not an ideal starting spot, in my opinion. Um, When I was watching it, the thing that I was comparing it to the most in my mind was Clerks, which came out later, obviously. But there's a lot of similarities between, like, the structure of it um, and just sort of, like, the crassness of the movie and how it's trying to be funny. Yeah. I don't know if you get that same sort of vibe from it, but, um, like they have like those quotes, uh, in the beginning, like they start with an like E.E. Cummings poem and then they go into like the itsy bitsy spider and they have like all these little text interludes for various different like quotes or whatever to break it out and do chapter stuff. And then, you know, clerk says like the vocabulary words that splits out the different sections of that movie. Yeah. Um, 
and they're yeah they're both like just talking about sexual stuff in a humorous way and um I don't know it just gave me that vibe and I wasn't enjoying this as much as Clark's um, oh okay I don't know it, like none of the jokes landed for me I don't think I laughed a single time um, um no I mean because we were I mean this is you know in Spanish and we're reading the English subtitles so I am wondering how they, you know, the subtitles translate to what they're really saying, you know? Like, do you think there are some sort of, like, cultural references that we wouldn't have gotten or a slang that didn't yeah. translate, perhaps? Well, there were certain words that were said that when we're reading it in English and I was like, oh, okay. Cause I mean, I am not fluent in Spanish by any means, but when I hear Spanish, I recognize certain words uh-huh. and then I'm like, well that, and then when I'm reading what, what was actually said in Spanish, what did not interpret in English, like written, Sure. which I'm assuming, you know, that happens with any dubbed or not dubbed but you know subtitled movies yeah like we'll, also we'll probably miss, dubs too because like, they have to translate the dialogue yeah, to the yeah. actors but yeah like when they i know they were saying certain things in spanish that were slang like saying cool or something like that mm. yeah but i mean i guess where i'm coming from is like a lot of the situations that they show just i think were supposed to be jokes and they just weren't jokes um or they just weren't good jokes. Like a lot of the stuff they showed, um, so Tomas is an advertising person. He's supposed to come up with like this slogan for an ad for jalapenos. And they show the fake commercial that he's supposed to tag. Yeah. And I know that that's supposed to be like funny and a parody, but it wasn't funny. <laughs> just, I don't know. Does that make sense? Or there's this other style. There's that one point where like they switch the bags out. Um, uh, like you know, he runs into his neighbor that he has a crush on in the hallway, and their bags get switched. Yeah. Okay. Right. And then he thinks he has his fecal samples. That he has to give to his doctor, um, but instead he has her cookies or muffins or whatever that she was going to take onto the flight with her. Yes. Um, like clearly that's supposed to be like a stupid crass joke and it just doesn't land and also goes nowhere like they never have a conversation about it it never comes up again that hey you gave me poo Uh, what was that about i don't know none of that ever happens that scene i don't know because the way the scene ends she's like oh well this sucks i have someone's poop in my hands yeah it's just like a tiny little look I wonder, I mean, this is probably, I don't, it's, I mean, I thought that was funny. I don't know, no, and you I, didn't. No, I, I, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I mean, I understand but what happened, but I, know, I just don't think it was I, I know funny. that this movie, like, it pokes fun at a lot of Mexican culture and, um, like, yuppies quote i mean how you know this is the early 90s you know so i mean it's kind of like these upper or middle class how these people act 
or react because it's kind of I mean we're okay we're just gonna go all over the place yeah like when they're in that at that party this is near the end with the doctors right yeah so Tomas's next door neighbor basically is his doctor is his doctor and it's um that doctor's nurse that faked the test results and whatever else and told him he was yeah. positive. So they're at this, like, you know... It's like a convention uh, thing. Yeah, like a high fluting party with doctors, and they're all being paged randomly at this party. And the page, their pagers or whatever, is mm-hmm. kind of like on speaker and everyone can hear what their pages are about yeah like what the messages are it's yeah like, yeah they hear audio it's messages like, tomas tomas called and he's gonna stick his head in a microwave and then everyone's like okay whatever but mm-hmm. then i don't know but um i think that's just their sense of humor i mean if and it, making if... fun of that time and those people at that place uh you may be giving it the benefit of the doubt. I don't, know. I, I don't know. Well, let me say this. Okay, so it is a Criterion movie, right? As part of the Criterion Collection, it's actually the fourth movie in this series so far that we've done that, that is part of the Criterion Collection. And I copied and pasted um, their description because after I watched the movie, I'm like, well, why is this in the Criterion Collection if not to maybe just build a rapport with that director to get some of his better stuff into the collection later? Um because it doesn't seem like it's worthwhile of that, you know, honor, for lack of a better word, I guess. Um, I think, I mean, are all of his movies... They are not. And I think... Criterion? No. Okay, so, I it's, mean... It's honestly a lot tougher for more modern movies to become Criterion Collection because of the studio systems. They're not going to necessarily loan them out to an independent company. Okay. Right. Um, so that's probably a big part of it. And so they took what they can get and plus you know it's the first feature of a prominent director um so yeah let's promote the hell out of that but here's what they say and it sounds like you kind of agree with some of these points but i'm way off okay <laughs> uh okay so before alfonso coron helmed the international sensation Itumama tambien he made his mark on mexican cinema with the ribald and lightning quick contemporary social satire solo con tu pareja Don Juanish yuppie Tomas Tomas, Daniel Jimenez Cacho from Bad Education, spends his nights juggling so many beautiful women that he can't keep their names straight until one of his many conquests, a spurned nurse, gives him a taste of his own medicine, beautifully filmed in widescreen by the inimitable Emmanuel Lubezki, uh, who did The New World, Coron's wildly successful feature debut, which has never been released in the U.S., not completely true, gave voice to a Mexican middle class that had remained largely unseen on screen, and surveys contemporary urban sexual mores with style despair. Um, I disagree with that. I don't think... I don't think it's lightning quick contemporary social satire. I think it's just following this asshole bachelor uh, in his quest to get as much tail as he possibly can um it's meant to be sort of like i took it to be like a madcap adventure like sort of like in like i don't know like the 60s type of i don't know like because 
they're bouncing from back and forth. There's like a big group of people from this convention who are like, oh, we gotta go to his apartment. Oh, mm, we can't get yeah. in. Let's go around the back. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, he's at the tower. Let's go to the tower. Blah, blah. Yeah, like, I it's, mean, it's that kind of stupid. Like, that's kind of to. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Kind of like just like normal hijinks. It's like, oh, we're. Yeah, it's goofy hijinks. It's like yeah. <laughs> it's high concept. It's not satire. I don't know. Um, and gave voice to a Mexican middle class that had remained largely unseen on screen. I don't know how true that would be at Mexican cinema, but like, I don't think it really gives voice to an entire class. It's very specific to these people in this building. I I don't know. I I feel like they're stretching and trying to build up the importance of something that doesn't deserve it. So, um, maybe it's just because Tomas is not a very likable person from the very start. He's very arrogant, self-centered, um, does not seem to care about anyone other than himself, Um, right? Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, I mean, it just starts off with him having sex with a woman. Uh Uh-huh. And... I mean, it ju- it shows, like, every woman that he sleeps with, they're like, um, do you have a condom? And he just continues. Yeah, he's like, well, aren't you on the pill? And all of their responses are, well, but that's not the point. It's not yeah. that. And then they never take the conversation further. It happened, yeah, every time he, almost, I don't want to say every time, yeah, almost no. every time, it right. was just... They're like, oh, but don't you have a condom? And then he's like, oh, but aren't you on the pill? Like, he is, he's not worried about getting an STD or AIDS in this point. That's why the, Mm -hmm. that nurse that he sleeps with decides to change his, you know. Yeah, the test results say The test results to be positive positive, to you know scare the shit of shit out of him right i just don't understand what his purpose is i don't know like maybe maybe i was expecting more out of this movie because as a human or what like in this movie in a sense because like they the first i don't know 15 minutes is about him needing to get this ad campaign off the ground while also trying to juggle all these juggle you know affairs or whatever um and then he gets fired because he was sleeping with two people at the same time, his boss and this other person, like right. in the same night in the same building. Uh, basically, the doctor friend was like letting him watch the apartment, and so he used the apartment to have one person, and then had the nurse in his own apartment, and he had to, like go around the balcony and like outside the ledge on this three-floor story-high building, and he was falling into buckets of water and all kinds of craziness happens. Right, I mean, that is supposed to be the comedy. Yeah, that's the comedy. And, like, part of the comedy is also that as he's going on the outside of the building in between these two apartments, he sees his new neighbor, this incredibly attractive flight attendant person, who he now is magically in love with. He's in love with her, yeah. So, like, you know, he has two women on either side and he's focused on the middle. Like, that's the kind of dude he is. And, like, I don't... Why Why should I care? I, I don't get it. I don't know. I don't how know how is that contemporary it. social satire? How is that representing a middle it's class? It's like someone um, who finally, I don't know, he finally, it's like he, 
it's love at first sight. Right. And it seems like he's just a man that's like, I mean, this is kind of like stereo, like the quote stereotypical how most cisgendered heterosexual males are, you know, this, I guess this is probably, I don't know, Alfonso or his brother wrote they both wrote they it both together. Wrote it. Yeah. I mean, that's probably how they were there when they were younger or something. It Who could knows? be. And I'm sure. And they're I'm like, sure yeah, we, is... we slept around with a bunch of women and then we, you know, let's write a movie and be like, oh, he finally found the one or something in the middle of him yeah. sleeping around with a bunch of women. Yeah. It's just hard for me to connect to That's, something like that. I mean, it, I understand how, like, you know, it's very early 90s. That's probably... Yeah, it's also just very... The type of, you know, humor. It's also, yeah, very macho frat oriented, right? Where, you know, it's like the whole point is to just check off as many boxes as you can. Like, you know, put as many Yeah, before you like, settle down, if you ever want to settle down. Yeah, it's like, okay, if you got it, then do it. Like, you know, oh, you see this person, if she's looking at you, then okay, let's... I'm gonna I'm gonna solve yeah, that see, riddle. I'm gonna, right. Th- this like, is my entire Well, that's what he even life. says. It's just like women... I just can't... And, get, and all of the women in this movie not are... They're all, like, enamored with they him. They're all enamored with him. Yes, which I don't personally understand, um, just from his looks. No offense, but like, you know, he's not like um, he's not. I mean, he, that upper echelon. It doesn't of really show him like really charming women either. No. He just he'll say it just happens. He'll just say a thing, and they're like, "Oh, he's really hot," or whatever, and they yeah. all f- fall to his feet. And yeah. It, it's just very male fantasy oriented. It yeah, so it just I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't show how he he doesn't necessarily flirt with women. The only time you show they show that in the movie is when he is getting you know his blood taken by that nurse. Right, that's the most flirty it is. Even with that neighbor who he tries to woo in some sense. It's all just like very awkward. Yes, running into her and they're like giving each other random glimpses and stuff like that yeah it's very unconventional in terms of romantic comedy when it comes to the main story of him trying to go after this girl oh yeah you're right it's basically the only time you actually see him actively flirting is when he's getting his blood drawn for the std test and he's Mm -hmm. trying to get in the pants of the nurse which works of course because everything works out for him yeah and i i mean so i don't know why they, if he's getting tested for other STDs, why didn't she just say he had like gonorrhea or something like that? I don't know to scare or I don't. I don't know what all was on that form that they showed on the movie. Um, she if just there were other ones, but they showed you know they showed her marking HIV negative on the official office form, and then the mail <laughs> the mailed copy that he received, she marked positive, and I didn't see any other boxes, but I. I don't know if the nurse heard this, but the doctor said, you know, like, oh, I see some white spots in your throat. Maybe you have HIV. Maybe you have AIDS. And, like, maybe she heard that and decided to scare him. Because he, he does get a little scared by that. 
Yeah. Or worried. That's why he's there, to get his blood drawn. But I think the bigger question is, why would the nurse go and even try to do anything with him if she knew he was there for an STD test? Why not th- wait until the I results are back just, I think that's before just, right. proceeding with this relationship? This is how this you know, movie was written. She's, yeah, you, she, he is so desirable. He's, yes, he's so, so de- desirable that she's like, okay, I'm going to have a date with him and mm-hmm. we're going to sleep together, I guess. Yeah. There's a lot of things that don't make sense in this movie. There's bigger picture stuff like that. There's littler stuff like... Um, why do you have these buckets of water near your window? Maybe that is something that is I, yeah, I don't, cultural that I don't understand. Like, maybe I don't there's know some sort of like laundry that's thing. That's why I was like, is that laundry? But or? Like, if you, like, the buckets, you should know that they're there. And so if you're climbing back in the window, you should know where that bucket is. But he falls into the water multiple times. Um, why is there a duck in the lobby in a cage of the building? The, the one thing that I... Well, there's a... I don't it's know. never referenced. It's just there. So, also... Not really in the beginning, but... It's like every... So, when he wakes up in the morning, he gets out of his apartment. He is, like, what, three floors up? Yes. And he strips naked, except for wearing, like... His green converse. Yeah, he's got converse on. And he, like, jogs down the stairs really fast just to get the morning paper and runs back up. And twirls. He does, like, a couple spins at the very bottom and then goes back up the stairs. And goes back. He does this every morning, and I want to know why. Yeah, they don't explain it. They just show him doing it once without getting caught, and then the second time he gets caught. Like, it's And there's, like, family and kids who see his dingling. Yeah, that's... that's the joke. Yeah. Cool. I don't know. I just... But nothing's explained. I want to know. I was like, why is he doing this? Just for the thrill of it? I mean, to yeah, I don't to know. be like, oh, I'm. And like, what's with the paper cups on the floor that he's like walking on while he's thinking, or like he's like putting down while he's writing down the names of all of his partners? Like, what? Is, like, why? yeah, he makes a paper cup for each partner that he had. I guess so, but he also has the list printout, so like. Is it supposed to mean something that we don't boredom. get? boredom. I don't know. I don't know either. It, it, but it seems like his, it should have a purpose and it doesn't. I mean, his apartment does not... Because his bed is literally a mattress on the floor. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a total bachelor. He yeah. Has, like, so I think this is floor, just like, very... Very sparse decoration. Like a typical um, stereotype of what a single guy, like a young single man was or is supposed to be during that time yeah but you know like the behaviors and things like that that they add to give him a personality just aren't explained and it doesn't help at all um i also don't understand why so um so his neighbor uh mateo dr mateo mateos right so we have tomas tomas we have mateo mateos is the doctor yeah and his what and his wife, wife, Teresa de Teresa. Yeah, I mean, that's... And the nurse is that Sylvia makes me Silva. Laugh. I don't know, that makes me <laughs> yeah, laugh. Yeah, that's like the best part. You don't, <laughs> like, these it's names. Very, it's a very, uh, very subtle joke because you rarely hear these names or see them, but if you look at the credits and like his boss it's is like Gloria to... Gold, so there's another like sort of like near match thing there. Um, so uh, the doctor, Mateo, is 
basically the tour guide for these two Japanese businessmen who are in town for this conference, this medical conference thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long this conference lasts, but like at some point, Mateo passes off the responsibility of tour guide to Tomas. Yeah. It's like, why is that his responsibility? Why is it Mateo's responsibility solely? Like, why? Like, none of that's explained other than to, like, I don't know. There's no real purpose to that scene where they go out and drink either. Other than to show that he's going to, like, oh, I'm I'm going to do Harikari. I'm going to do Harikari to myself and then, like, bring that word back later on in the movie. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I guess that was just to show these. Two, they're two Japanese men, and they don't speak Spanish, and mm-hmm. he doesn't speak Japanese. So, you know, that's hilarious because they don't know each other's languages. And the only thing really they do interact. is party with each other and drink and smoke. Yeah. And laugh. And, yeah, the whole scene is basically just them drinking and Tomas is self-reflecting but out loud. Uh-huh. He's, you know, giving this monologue. Yeah, he's like, telling these Japanese guys who do not know Spanish about, you know, his problems. Yeah. And they're like, uh I mean, they're not even really not responding because yeah. they don't even know what the hell he's saying. Yeah, there's no interaction. There's no, like, bonding that's happening. So it's just kind of... But he thinks that they are, I think. I don't know. I, I don't know if he cares. But uh, anyway, like, the conference just keeps... I don't know. I don't know how long this conference happens because he, at this point, does not know about the positive test. Right? I'm pretty sure he does not yet know about the positive test. Oh, I thought he did, but... He finds out... um, No, because I wrote the notes down about that. And then he has, like, this big dream or nightmare on the plane. Yeah. That happens afterwards, which is another stupid... Anyway. I think maybe Um, he's in love i mean at that point he's in love with the neighbor that he saw through the window who's a flight attendant yes that's his she big conflict is, yeah that's his conflict right now she has a boyfriend or uh she's engaged a fiance she was recently engaged and um he tells his doctor and the doctor's wife you know i'm in love with her blah 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 and the doctor's wife is a therapist i think because that neighbor is talking to Teresa hmm. about, you know, her past. And she has, like, issues. Like, she, she kind of is contemplating, like, suicide in a way. Because she's like, I'm very sad or down. I think she was happy at that point, wasn't it? No, she was... The... Cl- Clarissa, the neighbor? Yeah. When Ter- she was talking to Teresa in the doctor's apartment. Yeah. And then, you know, Tomas walks in and he's like, I'm in love with Clarissa, blah, blah, don't tell her, blah, blah. But, yeah. you know, and Teresa's trying to shut him up because Clarissa's in the other room. Right. Hearing. She's right behind him. But, you know, typical comedy stuff where, like, he enters the room and, like, twists her around so yeah. he's oblivious. But just because... prior to that, I thought Clarissa was going, like, really... Te- like confessing her feelings to Teresa and I was like oh is she a doctor as well is she like a therapist because why is she talking because I was like why is she talking to her like that like uh like it it seemed very doctor patient it could be yeah it could be and I don't remember neighbor to neighbor type talk right I just don't remember too much negative 
talk come from her. She, she was very she happy about seemed, the relationship because you know her. But her she seemed a little had, had, uh, sad, even though could be. I don't know. Well, I like know I think that, she was alluding. I don't know to how her past relationships were before Tomas came in and you know interrupted everything. But then that scene just kind of ended. Right. Because nothing really has a resolution in this. Um, but what I was going to say is, like, I know that Tomas did not know about the positive test while he was out with the Japanese businessman because he wakes up after that night. Oh, and he has checks nightmare. his mail. He doesn't oh. check the mail yet. He wakes up next to that jogger that he had picked up. The jogger went and told her friend, Paula, which was the first girl that we saw Tomas with, that she saw the mail before he did. Remember, like, she okay. woke up from sleeping with him, opened up the mail and saw that he was, you know, positive, and she was crying because she just had an affair with Tomas, and she has to now tell her husband that she's HIV positive, possibly because she just slept with this dude who has a positive test. Yeah. But Tomas had not checked his mail yet. Mm-hmm. She found out when Paula, the jogger's friend, called him. Why would the... Okay, if you... Okay, the jogger's friend. Yes. If she knew that... Okay, I'm getting... I don't know how to explain this. (laughs) I don't fully know either. Basically, everyone knows everyone, and they've all slept with Tomas. No, but I'm just... Okay, if that friend told this other friend, Hey, I think I have HIV from this guy, but then her friend just goes and sleeps with the guy who had HIV. So she didn't know that that Tomas Tomas was the guy that gave her friend HIV. I don't remember anymore. Because, okay. All I know is that Paula said something, whatever, that made him, I don't know. Like, he checked his mail after she left, and the jogger thinks that whatever. But Paula called Tomas about the issue Okay, I get it. So I think he, she didn't know that he, the jogger didn't know that Tomas Tomas was the guy that her friend was talking about that gave her HIV. No, 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 no. I think you're getting confused. Um, The jogger slept with Tomas. Yes. Saw the mail, read the mail. The jogger saw the positive test result and then went crying to her friend Paula. And then Paula called Tomas and said, hey, my friend, the jogger, just said that whatever, like basically was telling him about how she saw the positive test results. So Paula didn't know until the jogger told her. Because the jogger read the mail. The fact that we're getting so confused about this whole thing speaks volumes about the clarity of this movie. I thought... After he slept with the jogger, the jogger told him the story of her friend. No. The jogger went away without saying anything to him. I feel and like then the re- next scene... I feel like re-watching this movie. <laughs> oh, I'm... you go ahead and do it by yourself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, because the, like, the next scene is the jogger in a park with Paula okay. crying hysterically. Mm-hmm. about this yeah. whole situation and then paula calls tomas but i remember him having a conversation with a woman and she was saying my friend yes that's paula okay my but then... friend the jogger 
Okay, I thought that was the jogger. No. Okay. Paolo is the jogger's friend. <laughs> okay, so then... Okay, so the jogger didn't tell her... Okay, the jogger told her friend someone gave her HIV, but that Paolo... Paula does not know that the person that gave her friend HIV is Tomas Tomas. That part I don't know. Okay, that's what I was trying that to get at. That part I don't fully that's know. That's what I was trying to get at. Because I was saying, I was thinking, why would her friend say, oh, someone gave me HIV, i am got to go tell my husband, blah, blah, blah. I thought she would tell her who that, her friend, who that was. I so can... her friend could wouldn't sleep with him. Yeah, I... I... But no one just says, oh, I slept with this one guy. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah, the, the answer to this is whatever. Like, it doesn't really matter this as much as the time we're devoting to it. Um, but the main thing is, is, like, Tomas is virtually the last one to know about, like, his own positive test. Like, he, he gets the mail from the doctor's office and lets it sit for however many days. I don't know. Um, but he eventually opens it, and that's when he says he wants to kill himself. Um, and he decides to use the microwave for it. Because there's some running gag about how a gringa had tried to dry their toy poodle in the microwave, and the dog died. Yeah, and I don't know. And I was, so that, I was like, that is not funny. <laughs> no. And they're making fun of the stupid white person, which... Cool. That's probably like one of the funniest parts, I guess. But, I, I mean, yeah, it was just um, yeah. They kept on saying, "Oh, some gringa," but uh, I mean, yeah, they're making fun of you know Americans or whatever. But like, yeah, it's supposed to be doing like a running, stupid things. Yeah, it's a running joke, and yeah, like he was throughout. going to cut him. He was going to cut his wrists in the bathtub, and then his mom called and said, "Be careful using the microwave. You don't want to like." Yeah, because the you did you, you hear the about story this? about the gringa? Right. drying her dog in the microwave and it died so he's like oh i might as well do this yeah because... oh that's a better idea i'll i'll dry myself out in the microwave no i th- i thought he was like i might as well let my go myself go in a stupid way like that i think that was part of it yeah so yeah he like unhooks the microwave plugs it into another room and i don't know i was like did they don't... Does this even... You can't even turn a microwave on if the door is open. Yeah. Like, it can't run. Unless you can find some way to, like, jerry-rig it. But I don't... But I was I like, how is... Had I don't think I don't know. I was like, what in the... I mean, maybe that's why it's meant to... That's probably meant to be funny. Like, how can oh, yeah. you kill yourself by putting your head in a microwave? Definitely. That's supposed to be part of the joke. And it's not... You can't do it because there's no possible way to. Right. Yeah, that's unless definitely you close your your door, there's no way. That's part of the joke. The other part of the joke is that, oh, now people can interrupt him and, and barge in, and, and they're like, he "What are you doing?" Smacks his head on the microwave, or he's you know standing up or sitting up, and the microwave's on top of his head. Ha ha! How funny of a visual that is. Mm-hmm. Or Carlos the the fiance of Clarissa, the flight attendant neighbor that he uh, loves so much, um, switches places and ends up with the thing on his head. And, you know, the doctor and the crew mistake Carlos for Tomas and, you know, hilarity ensues because of the mix-up. Yeah. yeah. That's all it is. Just going to, now going to Clarissa where, um, 
I think she was saying her, she, you know, her fiance is a pilot. She's a flight attendant. And, you know, he's gone a lot because he's, you know, traveling more than she is. Mm-hmm. And I think she's just worried about their relationship. I think that's what she was trying to tell Teresa. Maybe, but she didn't give that info to Tomas at all. And she's probably just psyching herself up. She's like, oh, but I'm happy because we love each other. Yeah, she seemed happy in all the conversations that she had with Tomas. Like, it seemed like a very normal thing, and it didn't, like, that's also partly why it didn't seem like she was really flirty with Tomas at all in any of the scenes that they're together in. She wasn't, like, swooning over him the way the other girls, because she she, was happy with Carlos. Because she was with her fiancé. Right. And it wasn't until... Um, so like she came home end. from whatever, uh, from, from one her of flight, her flights and, and she didn't have her keys. And so she asked Tomas to do the, go outside the ledge thing, climb into her building and get the keys, the spare keys that were in, uh, the dresser. And he sees Carlos cheating. And it wasn't until after she comes and sees Carlos cheating that she rushes back to Tomas and actually is expressing her unhappiness there. And now she wants to kill herself and she wants to microwave. Yeah, and they both come up with, like, an idea to just kill themselves together, and they go to the top of a building. The Latin American Tower? Is that what it was? Which apparently is still open to guests at, like, midnight or whenever the hell this is. I, yeah. There's a doorman, and the elevator's open, and they're the only people there. Yeah, it's kind of like if you go to um, the Empire State Building right, in New York. And it kind of looks similar in shape. And I don't know if it's the tallest building in Mexico City. I didn't even know that you could do this. <laughs> Cause I'm I sure pro- you probably can't in reality. Well, like... I didn't know you can go up to the top. And there was a restaurant and stuff like that, and you can oh, look out. I thought you meant like go up to like the spire or whatever. Oh, that they no, did. no, I thought I didn't know because that... they just you know they just opened a door and went in. Well, yeah. yeah, that too, but you would think that would be locked mm-hmm. somehow. But yeah, going all the way up to the very top of that antenna of that building. Yeah. To jump. That's their plan. That was, yeah, their plan. And, you know, they're talking it out and stuff like that. And uh, they decided to sleep with each other because they're like, okay, let's just have one last go because we're going to die. Right. And he's like, oh, but I have AIDS. And she's like, well, if we're going to die anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's just do it. Yeah. And so they do each other on the top of that spire. And, like, her panties drop on, and Carlos catches them because they had just arrived at the tower. And, I don't know, I would... they're like, oh, that's her panties. Let's go upstairs. Right. <laughs> I, and then I was like, why would you do it there? What if you fell? I, I, I don't know. I they was, wanted to fall. I know, but I was freaking out during that because <laughs> that was giving me anxiety that... Yeah, you that, had that fear of heights. <laughs> so, like, it, I was like... I know that they don't, at that point, they don't care about their lives right now, but I was like, why are you doing stupid. this? Yeah, it's still a stupid thing. 
anyway, the, yeah, the the whole crew is there. They need to rush and try to tell him that he doesn't have AIDS. There was a big joke played by the nurse. Um, and some kid who comes out of nowhere pushes all the buttons on the elevator. And that's so, like, supposed to be, that's supposed to be more time. comedy. Yeah, it's supposed to be more comedy. But, uh, again, a lot of this stuff is just very obvious jokes. I don't know. That's, it, yeah. Um, but yeah, everything works out just fine at the end. He learns before they jump that he doesn't have AIDS and they're in love now and they get married, I guess. But then he's still looking at other people as he goes down the sidewalk. It's like, oh, men never learn. Wah, wah. And then end of movie, everything's perfect for Tomas. Um, so I don't know. It just didn't nothing landed with me it didn't make sense there's a lot of like stereotypical crap and basic jokes and i just wasn't enjoying it nearly as much as i wanted to i don't think that alfonso Cuarón has written most of his other movies right um clearly you know children of men e2 mama tambia and harry potter and Prisoner oh, of Azkaban, Harry, uh, he did he's not, not going to write that. Right? Um, <laughs> he directed Little Princess. He directed Great Expectations. He didn't write that one either. No. Um, so. I mean, yeah, those are all based off of books. Yeah. Um, and then Carlos Cuarón has not written most of Alfonso Cuarón's other movies either. He did Itumama Tambien, got an Oscar nomination for that. But um, I think the other most prominent movie that he had done was Rudo and Kersey. If you remember that one, that um, reunited uh, the stars of Itumama Tambien. Um, Diego Luna. Diego Luna. And, and Gael Garcia Bernal. Correct. is like, you know, soccer players where one becomes famous and the other one doesn't. We saw it like yeah, years uh, ago. So yeah, I feel like this is probably more of Carlos's script than Alfonso's. I don't Cast and crew we already talked about pretty much everybody. Emmanuel Lubezki uh, was mentioned in that. Criterion Breakdown, he was a cinematographer. He's one of a, a few people who have won three Oscars in a row. Uh, for 20, In 2014 through 2016, he won for Gravity, Birdman, and The Revenant. Um, he's also been nominated for Tree of Life and Children of Men, The New World, Sleepy Hollow, and A Little Princess. Uh, all of those. He also has done Reality Bites, The Birdcage, The Cat in the Hat, so he's done all kinds of different stuff. Um, he also did a 1991 movie called Bandits or Banditos, which is not currently on our list because we could not find a version to watch. So, um, honestly, most of the crew, I couldn't find a whole lot to talk about with them. Um, there's not a lot of, like, international crossover. So Daniel Jimenez Cacho is probably the biggest one in that he was in Bad Education, which came here, and he was a narrator in Itumama Tambien. But otherwise, most of the cast have been in a bunch of stuff, uh, including a lot of like TV shows. Most of them have a huge TV credit list, but um, nothing that's recognizable to uh, uh, English-speaking audience. In terms of the awards, though, there were a couple to mention. Uh, the Ariel Awards, which is uh, an award show that focuses primarily on um, Mexican cinema that promotes Mexico specifically. Right. Mm. Um, so in 1993, it won for Best Original Story. Uh, it was nominated for Best Cinematography. Uh, Lubezki actually lost to himself. <laughs> he was nominated twice that year. Uh, one was for this movie, and the other one was for Like Water for Chocolate. And he oh. won for that movie, which came out in 1992 here in the U.S. 
this movie came out in 1992 in Mexico. Um, the screenplay was also nominated, also lost to Like, uh, like Water for Chocolate, and it was also nominated for the best first work. But Carlos Carrera won for La Mujer de Benjamin, which I don't think got a U.S. release. So, um, but yeah, over time it became known because Cuaron became known and now it's on Criterion. And it did have a very minimal box office release in 2006. That's why it's on our list. Um, throughout these first 25 movies, we've been doing sort of a random assortment of um, box office performers. This one made like less than $10,000 total <laughs> in mm. its entire history. So it probably only showed on like one or two screens, but it did show uh, in North America in 2006. Do you want to talk about the trailer? Yeah, go for it. I'll let you start. <laughs> well, okay. you know, we always watch the trailer after we watch a movie. If there's, you know, a trailer available. Yeah, on these streaming services, we try to do that. And the trailer was so bad. It was like a PowerPoint presentation. Mm -hmm. It was weird transitions and like fade outs of text. I but think it was made for that 2006 release. Release. Yeah. In America. Yeah. But it made me laugh because the beginning of that trailer, it's like from the director of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> yeah. Like you say that first. Yeah. And then and then oh, and also Itumama Tubian. But it's like yeah, his well, other movie. His box office hit in his career. I yeah. know, but it, that just made me laugh. <laughs> But after that, it was just kind of like, kind of like how Mad Men, you know, next time on Mad Men, it, that's how mm -hmm. this trailer was. It was just like, huh? What? Door slam. Up and down stairs. The end. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it told you like nothing. It, it, didn't, it, didn't it gave like sense. nothing. <laughs> and then it was like PowerPoint, like word art. Mm -hmm. In between each scene. I don't know. The trailer is bad. The trailer is funnier than the movie. Um, just because of how dated it clearly is. Yeah. It looks like someone's school project that they just uploaded and Prime took. On to true crime pop culture. Uh, I mean, the only... I was looking up the controversy behind this movie, and it's mainly, you know, about, you know, the use or just making light of aids during this time when you know it was still kind of like an epidemic around this time i mean yeah it was still like one of those things where it was known but it was assumed oh well it's only gay people so who cares attitude that a right. lot of people gave it but this is uh there's a criterion article that came out in 2006 so probably around the same time when this movie came to the u.s and it it talks about this movie, but it also said that it you know it pokes fun at AIDS, but then it's also like a public service announcement for people to use condoms, and with the title "Solo con tu pareja," it means. You only sleep with your partner. Mm -hmm. And that's what it was trying to portray. 
but it didn't it just didn't for me it, it, yeah I mean sure you could grab that if you really wanted to but I don't think the movie was trying to teach that in any way shape or form he submitted this script to uh, like I forget exactly what it was some, some sort of like a Mexican um, film board yeah right? a, 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 you know run by the the country yeah uh, but it was initially that's... rejected but another movie dropped out at some point or could not progress and so his was like a backup that got funded because this other movie dropped out yeah that's what this article talks about how this it just says that this movie was shelved by the government due to the aids content yeah after after it was completed they did shelve it for a small time but it they, but then they yeah released it in 1991 because it got really good reviews and reception in toronto yes and um i forget what other film festival it played in but it played in two different film festivals and it did really well there and so mexican government's like well let's just do it and right that was the the only controversy that i found was saying that it was initially it was written way way not i don't want to say way before but it was written you know years before a few years beforehand so probably like 1986 or something which yeah aids was really becoming an issue Mm -hmm. during that time so it was shelved and then it finally was just released in the film circuit in 1991 but or I don't want to say film circuit, the uh, you yeah, know film festivals, the film festivals. and then Mexico ninety two and other yeah. places after that. Yeah. Okay, moving on to TV and music. This movie was released on a Monday, September 9th, nineteen ninety one. So I just decided to look up what was on Monday night. I think it's our first Monday night movie. I so far think so. So starting on ABC, 8 o'clock, MacGyver was on for a whole hour. And then after that, it was just Monday Night Football. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd be surprised if that wasn't on there somewhere. I don't... I don't remember watching MacGyver all that much. Did you guys watch that on your Not really. I just... Like, I was aware of it, of course. Yeah, I never really... I watched maybe parts of it, and it's just, you know, him making weird things out of other things to get out of weird situations. That's all I really remember. Yeah, I just remember the concept. I don't remember watching too many of them. Yeah, so after MacGyver was Monday Night Football that started at 9 o'clock. This is Eastern or Central Time here. And it was the Washington Redskins versus the Dallas Cowboys. And okay. it looked like the Redskins won. Okay. Um, CBS was a TV show. We sort of talked about this. Evening Shade. Did you ever watch this? I never watched it, no. I think my parents did a little bit, but I did not. I think we talked about it because Michael Jeter was one of yes. the people in there. Yeah, Michael Jeter. In, uh, Fisher King. Yes. And that's, I think you mentioned that he was in it, and I think that's the only time we talked about it. But I've never watched this. Even back then, I don't know how 
obviously perceptions change over time but when i was you know like 10 or 11 when that show came out yeah you know it felt like a comedy for old people so i right. didn't i didn't care because it wasn't for my generation now like, yeah that's how now I... that i'm like you know i'm 40 maybe it would be for my generation now <laughs> i don't know i mean yeah it lasted four seasons which i don't know i was kind of surprised by that because i i all i i don't even know the premise so i was like reading the summary and it's do you know what it's about not really okay it's uh, like don't they all like hang out like in a diner or something don't know but it stars burt reynolds yeah. as wood newton who's an ex-professional football player for the pittsburgh steelers who returns to rural evening shade arkansas to coach a high school football team with a long losing streak and reynolds personally requests to, to use the steelers as his character's former team because he was a fan okay this it's him and his wife ava and his wife was Mary Lou Henner. Okay. Was played by Mary Lou Henner. I don't recall that at all. Okay. And he marries her when she was 18. And it doesn't say how old he was, but there's like a whole storyline about, I guess, Ava's family is really kind of not into the age gap. Oh, she's an ambitious, successful, she's a lawyer in the first season, but she becomes a district attorney later on in the second or third season, and then she becomes pregnant for the fourth time. So they have three kids in the first season, but I guess they have a fourth, because you know... Yeah, gotta make Every up sitcom always has to talk about like some mm, sure. random pregnancy that happens later on in life. Yeah. So then, after Evening Shade was Major Dad. It's just, I'm more you know, familiar with that one, but I don't. I don't have a. You like know, he's a single father, it. single father, you know, military mm-hmm. man. After that was Murphy Brown. That we watched. Yes, and then after Murphy Brown was Designing Women, that which we also I watched. also watched, yes. and after Designing Women was Northern Exposure, which I also. I did not. Like, I did not watch that one. I heard it's a really good show. I don't know I if it would still hold up. I some of it. It's, I don't want to say it's like Twin Peaks, because it's not. No. But it, it's like that aesthetic. Well, yeah, it's like small town woodsy. Yeah. You know, what is it, like rural Alaska? Yeah, I think so. So moving on to NBC, at 8 o'clock was The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, definitely watching that instead of Evening Shade. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then after this, after Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, was a show called The Adventures of Mark and Brian, which I knew nothing about. That does not sound familiar. I and remember, I was... like, I mean, there's obviously a, quite a few shows that followed Fresh Prince at some point. Like, LL Cool J had his show for, like, a half season, like, In the House, I think it was called. But, uh, yeah, I don't know this. So this is a comedy. It's like two radio DJs just doing random shit. So they're so like, like LA DJs. Like real life? Yeah. Okay, so it's sort of like... Like they're like traveling... Jackass Jerky Boys? Not deal. really, from what it sounds like. So here, it's a television series following radio DJs, KLOS 
in L.A. since 1987 by morning hosts Mark Thompson and Brian Phelps. I don't know them at all. Each week they would do, I guess, a stunt that they wanted to perform where they would go, like, cross-country. But it's not really jackass-y. They would just do, like, random things. One of them was having Robert Goulet sing from a helicopter on Valentine's Day. Like, okay. Right. And then another thing that they did was they drove cross-country with a giant head sculpture of Elvis Presley on the back of their car. That's the gag? I guess. Okay. (laughs) And I was like, why were they given... Yeah, why are they <laughs> a TV show? And I don't. I mean, were they really great at being morning hosts? <laughs> mm. And then I was just, I was trying to think, like, what would I compare this to now? But I can't. But I guess September ninth, nineteen ninety one, was the premiere of this show. The first and last episode. <laughs> no, it. I mean, and then the. The episode is called <laughs> Mark and Brian's Adventure with the Temptations. So they, what did they dress up as, like, California Raisins or something? I don't know. Or did they just, yeah, go on tour and follow them around and interview them? I don't yeah, know. maybe. But, I mean, they, the show was on and it was canceled. It was only on for a season, which, oh, Makes good. Sense. Yeah, sure. It was 13 episodes, but the program was canceled in mid-November. But, you know, they decided to just air the rest of the episodes, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And then the last episode was May 31st, 1992. Hmm. I, that's what I was trying to find. There are some clips on YouTube that I was trying to find this episode, and okay. I couldn't find it. But I found other things, and I'm scared to watch it. It's like just them doing really stupid shit i guess but okay. like real it sounds like they're trying to gag people yeah it sounds but, boring yeah yeah but in a really boring dumb way and then moving on to music so i mentioned i think for fisher king because the fisher king came out in september or was released in september as well And I remember talking about an article that was released about how September 1991 was one of the best times for music Mm -hmm. because a lot of really great albums were released, including, you know, Nirvana, Nevermind, Tribe Called Quest. You know, there was Red Hot Chili Peppers, which we don't care. Personally, but me, you and I don't care, but others may and then you know guns and roses use your illusion but there were a couple others that were not on that article one of them was the pixies trump le monde okay one of them i know alec eiffel yeah i know of it but that's I know the it. Get Up Kids cover of him. Yeah. Oh, okay. The and then they did. There's another single that came out head on. That one. I that did. was released. It was a cover of a Jesus and Mary Chain song. That was released September twenty third, nineteen ninety one. Two other albums that I thought were interesting. One of them was Saint Etienne. I didn't know that they were around for so long. 
which is called Fox Bass Alpha, which has this song that I really like and I listen to to this day called Only Love Can Break Your Heart. And then I found out like two days ago (laughs) that that song was a Neil Young song. So that was a Mm. cover that was released September 16th, 1991. Another album that was released was Naughty by Nature's self-titled album but it was their second album 1991 it wasn't that the name of one of their albums or at least one of their songs 1991 i mean this album this album has opp or something like that maybe but this album has you know opp on it and then everything's gonna be all right yeah the bigger ones yeah so then on to rankings and ratings i guess uh, on your one to five star scale, where would you put Solo Cone to Pareja? Um, I mean, I mean, I'm gonna give this movie a three because I, I didn't really hate it, but I didn't really like it. There was things that I liked about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was beautiful. It was pretty to look at. Yeah, Cine- cinematography was, was wise, well. and it shot well. Yes. I like that, and I like the actress, Clarissa. I mean, I like the acting, I guess. And then I thought her and Tomas Tomas at the end were cute. Closer to the hate spectrum (laughs) on it. I'm I'm giving it a one on my zero to four star scale. Okay. Um, Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was shot well. The acting was good, but like, there's no characterization. There's a lot of stuff that was left unexplained or just was unmotivated, and I just hated the, you know... I hated the main character because there was no reason to like him. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a one out of four. Every movie is worth watching once. Would you watch this again? Yes, but only to figure out certain things. <laughs> like like that whole Paula and Jogger yeah. conversation. <laughs> well then, and then there was, there was other stuff that we were kind of confused with i guess yeah i just don't think it would explain anything if we watch it again i'm a hard no on it but feel free <laughs> to go ahead i mean there's definitely a lot of like one star movies out there in the world that i would watch a second time this one no you just didn't care i, no. I mean i would I'll, watch, I'll watch the one of criterion his, i'll watch one of his other things yeah maybe the making of would be interesting but i don't have any interest in the movie itself uh so we're kind of divided, so if you out there want to watch Solo Colon 2 Pareja as of this recording in July 2021, it's available on Amazon Prime, Digital Purpose, Purchase, Not Rental, and DVD. Uh, as always, check your local listings because that could change. Um, as for us, you can listen to us on all of the major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. It does help us out a lot. You can email us at 1991moviewrewind at gmail.com. Of course, you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd. Just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991MovieRewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. On our next episode, we've done 25 of these things. Um, we're breaking free of the box office cycle and we're going to do a, a mini-series of Back to School. So we're going to start that adventure by watching Rock and Roll High School Forever, which is available on VHS and DVD. We'll see you then.